Church. Thank you for joining us today. Please stand with us in worship.
for his amazing grace today. Father, we just invite you into this place. We know, God, that your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people. So we're thankful today, God, that you're here with us, you're for us, and you're not against us. We love you, Lord.
Heavenly Father, we love you today, and I am so grateful. Lord, when you call us to take a step for you, Father, when you call us out onto the ocean to, to walk on the, on the waves, Lord, you call us into a place that, that may be a little scary, God. It may make us nervous, but Father, I thank you that you never call us to a place that we can't stand, that Lord, you will give us the strength to stand in that place. Lord, you will sustain us, you will bless us. So God, I pray today for people in this place that have been called out to stand in a scary place, Lord. People that are walking through season and maybe they're a little nervous in this place, God, help us see that we don't have to be mastered by fear, that you will conquer that, God. So I pray today for those of us that have brought fear in this place, Lord, let us leave it at the altar. Lord, let us not take it with us. So God, I pray today that fear would be conquered in this place, that Lord, you would rise up within us, that your faith would rise up within us, God, and that we would be more than conquerors. So Lord, I pray that, Lord, our lives would be changed today. Our lives would be transformed, not because of a message, not because of some songs, but because of your spirit in this place. So God, we refuse to leave here without your blessing today. We wanna experience you. We wanna know you. So Lord, thank you that you're here among us today. We pray that you be glorified in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Great to see you this morning, Son of Church. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, um, you got up at a decent time today, right? Thank you for being here today. Do me a quick favor before you do anything else. Why don't you step out from your seat, go find somebody you haven't talked to yet, and tell them you are glad to see them at the summit today. Man, you guys are friendly. Glad you're here today. My name is Mel Massingale. I'm the lead pastor here at the Summit. If you're a guest with us today, I wanna say thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you for being here, making the Summit a part of your day. So thank you so much uh, for being here on this uh, little bit dreary morning, and you got up anyway, so thank you. Also wanna welcome all of you that are watching online at summittogether.com. No matter where you are, how you're joining us today, thank you for making the Summit a part of your day as well. I hope that God blesses you. If you're here today and this is your first time, you're a guest with us today, there's a card that looks like this one and the seat back in front of you. I would love for you to take just a moment, fill this card out, and then at the conclusion of our worship experience today, you can stop by out in the lobby. There's an information center on your right-hand side. Stop by there. Take this to them. They're gonna give you a free gift. It's one of our Summit mugs. And also, they're gonna answer any questions you might have about the church. So if you're new to the Summit or this is your first time, please fill one of those out for us. Let us know. Uh, we'd love to connect with you. Uh, we've got a, a ton of things coming up over the next few weeks. Let me share just a few of those with you. Um, coming up this weekend, so uh, this next weekend we're approaching, we're having our annual Easter outreach. Uh, we're gonna have 30,000 Easter eggs between two locations. One is here at Ben Franklin Elementary. The other will be at East Pike Elementary. Um, we're gonna be giving away tons of prizes, bicycles, games, toys, all kinds of stuff. And there's also a grand prize um, for 
what is it, a six-month family membership to the Y as well as a family uh, pass to the Mack Park Pool this summer. Uh, so uh, you can register for that uh, on our website. Actually, you can register on our, our Easter egg website at summiteghunt.com. Uh, so you can register there. You can get more information there. Or you can stop by the lobby. Uh, there's a table out there for all the information. So connect with them there. We'd love to give you more information about that. I uh, also want to let you know Easter is coming up. I've said this before, everybody you know goes to church on Easter, uh, even if it's just out of guilt. So invite them, and maybe their guilt will get them here. And because they might come just because it's a religious day, because that's what they're supposed to do, uh, but I'm truly believing that they're gonna have an encounter with God that day, that their life is gonna be changed because they encounter a God that is crazy about them. And so we want you to invite everybody you know Easter weekend, so that's Saturday night at five and 6.30, and Sunday morning at eight, 9.30 and 11. And there are invites just like this one out in the lobby. It looks like the one that's on your screen there. But take a ton of them with you. Invite people from your workplace, from your neighborhood, your family, maybe people from your household and whoever it is. Get them to church that weekend. Because uh, again, we're believing that God's gonna do something incredible. We're starting a series that weekend I'm really excited about. It's called I Am. And we're gonna be talking about all the I Am statements that Jesus made. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am um, I, I am the resurrection, I am. So we'll be going through all those in this series and I truly believe it's gonna change people's lives. So make sure you get them here Easter weekend. Um, then the following weekend, April 2nd and 3rd, we've got Marion Jones with us. Marion was an Olympic uh, star. Uh, she was on the cover of Sports Illustrated and Time Magazine and uh, ESPN the Magazine. She was high-profile athlete earning millions and millions of dollars a year in her industry. Um, she lied to a federal investigator about drug use. She was taking performance-enhancing drugs. She lied about it. And because of that, she was sentenced to prison time, so she went to jail. Uh, she was stripped of her medals. And when she came out, she came out, uh, came out a different woman. And her life was transformed. And uh, she went on to play in the WNBA, professional basketball. And so she has had an incredible life. She's got an incredible story. And she's going to be sharing that with us on April 2nd and 3rd. So Saturday night at 6.30, Sunday morning at 8, 9.30 and 11. So four services. Invite everybody you know to those things. Because uh, I truly believe this season we're going to see hundreds of people saved over these few weeks that, that are coming up. One more quick thing I want to tell you. Uh, our friends over at Saving Grace Church here in town, they host a uh, Good Friday service every year. And uh, the last couple years, they have not invited us. Um, and the reason is quite fair, to be honest with you, because they always have a full service anyway. And so last year I went, I just attended, just to support our other churches in the community. And one of the pastors from Saving Grace, Bob is a great guy, Bob said, Mel, um, we never invite you guys because you're too big. <laughs> okay, and he said, well, we couldn't get it. If we invited the summit, we couldn't get everybody in our church. Like, we just, we don't have a room. We barely have a room now, so that's why we've never invited you. So don't be offended. I'm like, I'm not offended. Like, it doesn't bother me. I don't, I don't need to preach. I'm cool with that, you know. And so this year, they, they called and said, hey, we'd like you to speak, at, be one of our speakers for the Good Friday service. And I said, you know, you know our church is bigger than it was last year, right? Like, we haven't gotten smaller. And he said, yeah, I know that, but we just feel like it'll be good for our community. And I said, well, that's great. Yeah, we'd love to be a part. So this is the thing. I'm speaking, I'm one of the speakers for the Good Friday service, and we want you to be there. The problem is, if all of you show up, a bunch of people are gonna be sitting out in the parking lot or in the lobby or, so this is the thing. I would love for you to be there. If you want to attend the Good Friday service at, at Saving Grace Church, 
uh, you will need to be there early. So I don't mean church early where you get there like five minutes before the time of the service or maybe you get there two minutes after the service starts. That's not what I'm talking about. If you wanna be there and get a good seat, you're gonna have to be there by 6.15, you know, 10 after six for a seven o'clock start time, okay? So we'd love for you to be there, but please, if you come, don't be one of those people that's showing up late and then wondering why you didn't get a seat. So uh, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Mark Altrogi from Saving Grace is one of the speakers. Uh, Judah Thomas, our, my friend at Word of Grace, is gonna be speaking as well. So it's gonna be a great day. I'd love for you to be there if you're interested. Um, and it's gonna be a busy weekend. So I'll uh, have Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday, but it'll be good. So I'm excited about what's coming up here at the summit. Hey, one of the things I'm really excited about is our youth ministry. We've got an incredible youth ministry, but I, I told you last week we had a new youth pastor, and so I wanna introduce him to you today. So if you would, please welcome with me to the stage, Pastor Josh Walters. Great to see you, man. Josh, why don't you just share your heart and greet the people? Sure, sure. Uh, good morning, Summit Church. I want you to know that my wife and I are truly honored to have the opportunity to uh, come here and be a part of what God's doing both here at the church uh, and in the local community of Indiana. Uh, we've put lots of prayer into this and we're confident that God has called us here. Uh, and we've already started working on some awesome events, some cool trips. Uh, things are going to be a little loud, uh, so don't be offended if you pass by and, uh, you know, it's a little crazy. Uh, if you do look in and you see a 270-pound youth pastor um, dancing, don't be offended by that. It's just the way things go sometimes, um, but we truly are excited. Uh, but more than that, uh, we're going to work on deepening our relationship with Christ. Uh, we're going to grow in our faith. Uh, and we know that God is, is going to do great things. So uh, you guys be in prayer with us as we make this transition. Uh, also, there are very few things that I enjoy doing more than uh, building relationships and making new friends. So as you guys see me out and about, feel free to come up, introduce yourself, uh, say hello. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting every one of you. Thank you so much, Josh. Let's give him a round of applause as he's seated. Thank you, man. Love you. That's <laughs> I, told, uh, I told the crowd last night, um, that I'm thinking about getting some bumper stickers printed up. You ever seen the bumper stickers that says, my kid is an honor student at whatever school, and then I've seen a bumper sticker that said, my kid can beat up your honor student. Um, I'm thinking about getting one printed up that just says, my youth pastor can beat up your youth pastor. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad Josh is here. I had the opportunity last night to introduce him to the Meadows. Yes, give him praise. <laughs> And it wasn't just any flavor, it was the peanut butter Oreo swirl, which we all know is the best, so um, it was good. Holy Spirit moved on us, and, oh gosh. Hey, uh, today we're continuing our series. We started a series last week called Sweet Dreams, and the byline is, what keeps you up at night? Uh, because the truth is, all of us have things that we deal with. All of us can tend to deal with fear in our life if we're not careful, and some of us, uh, deal with fear to the point that it, it keeps us awake or it keeps us from functioning normally. In fact, uh, studies show that about 40 millions Ameri a million Americans in the United States deal with anxiety disorders. So that's not just fear or anxiety, but that's anxiety to the point that it's debilitating, it keeps us from functioning in a normal way. So fear is a very real thing in the world we live in. Um, and the truth is, statistically, probably many of you are in this place today deal with fear beyond just um, what, norm what normal would be. When we look at the world today, it tells us there's reasons to be afraid, whether it's terrorism, whether it's politics, whether it's disease, um, whether it's um, what we see in the media that tells us we need to be afraid of the other races. And, and the truth is, 
the Bible tells us and God makes it very clear to us, we don't have any reason to be afraid. Uh, God tells us over and over and over. We see in scripture 365 times, it says, fear not. But yet we still live in fear. There's a guy named Dave Barry, he's an author, and he said this, he said, all of us are born with a set of instinctive fears, the fear of falling, the fear of the dark, and the fear of lobsters. Some of us are afraid of falling on lobsters in the dark or speaking in public and the words some assembly required. So the truth is, all of us deal with fear. Maybe you're not afraid of falling on lobsters in the dark, but um, the truth is, all of us deal with fear to some level or another. And so that's what I want us to look at just for a few minutes today. Um, there's a passage of scripture I shared with you last week, and I'm gonna read verse 26, then I'd like us to read verse 27 together. It's John chapter 14, it says this, and this is Jesus talking, and he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Now let's read verse 27 together. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So what does Jesus say here? He said, I'm gonna leave you my peace. I'm not just giving you a portion of peace, but I'm giving you my peace. You have access to that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. We have access to the, the peace of Jesus. And not only that, but he says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So it seems to be indicating here that we have a choice when it comes to faith and fear. When we are afraid, maybe we're not actively choosing that. Maybe we're not saying, you know what, I want to be afraid in this situation, but there's something inside us that is choosing fear over faith. And what we have to understand is that faith is the antidote to fear in our lives. Faith is the only thing that can combat fear. In Romans 10, 17, it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So what, how do we build faith? We press into the heart of Jesus. We get to know who Jesus is. It's not through religious, just memorizing scripture or showing up to church. That's not what pressing into Jesus is about. When we talk about pressing in, it's about intimacy. It's about knowing him. And as we do that, our lives begin to be shaped and formed more into his image. But it's not just a religious action. And we're good at just giving out religious anecdotes and religious things to say, and well, we'll be praying with you, brother, and things like that. But the truth is, religion isn't the answer. Uh, I heard this story this last week. Um, There's a woman who was cooking and her young son was in the kitchen with her. And she said, would, hey, would you mind going in the pantry and getting a can of beans for me? And he said, I, I can't do that. She said, yeah, you can. Just go in the beans or on the second shelf. Just go get the beans. He said, Mom, I can't do that. She said, why? He said, well, it's dark in there and I'm afraid of the dark. And so like any good mom, she tried to reassure him with the scripture, with the Bible. And she said, son, you don't have anything to worry about. Jesus will be there with you. He's a friend that sticks closer than brother. He's gonna be in that dark room with you. So don't worry, you know, he's, he's there. So he stood there for a moment thinking about that. And he said, okay. So a moment later, he walks over to the door and he opens the door up and he speaks into the pantry and said, hey, Jesus, if you're in there, can you hand me the beans? <laughs> See, we know cognitively that God's gonna be with us in our fear, but it's another thing to actively live that out. Today we're gonna be talking just for a moment about uh, the fear of scarcity or the fear of lack. Maybe another way to say it is the fear of not enough. 
And when we look at the world we live in today, and maybe you look at the people sitting next to you, the truth is a lot of us deal with that fear. A lot of us deal with the fear that, that we're not gonna have enough. And, and the fear of lack can be defined as this, the fear that your resources will expire and your needs won't be met. See, I, I know there are people in this room that have been laid off from their job and they're struggling to find new work. And they've got this fear that their resources will expire and their needs won't be met. See, so you, maybe you're here and you've got a, a fear of lack of money. Maybe you're an, a student and you're looking at school loans that you're about to start, start paying off and you're thinking, how am I gonna pay off the school debt? Maybe you're here and, and you've seen your 401k go down over and over and over and over and you're thinking, how are we gonna live in retirement? I'm gonna have to get another job. We're not gonna have enough. Maybe you're here and you're dealing with the, the fear of lack of time. Maybe you feel like you've wasted time and now you're trying to make it up. Maybe you're here and, and you've got a, a child that's in your home but you've realized you've wasted time not not pouring into that child. Maybe you've got a teenager, a 16, 17 year old, and you realize they're about to be out of your house and you've wasted time and now you're afraid, I don't have enough time with my child. I don't have enough time to pour into them. Maybe you're here today and you're single <clears throat> and you live in Indiana, Pennsylvania and you're thinking, is there ever gonna be somebody that I can marry? Is God ever gonna send a man or a woman that's godly my way? Is there enough it's funny because sometimes we, we deal with the lack of friends or the fear of the lack of friends. Am I gonna have enough people in my life to support me and encourage me? It's funny because we look at social media and you've got 10,000 friends on Facebook, right? You're like, look at all these friends I've got. I've got so many thousands of friends. I have 500 people wishing me happy birthday on my birthday. Look at all these friends I've got. And then when trouble comes your way, you realize you're lucky if you've got two. And you don't feel the support. You don't feel connected, you don't feel the friendship, and you're afraid that you don't have enough. Maybe it's a fear of lack of recognition. Will anyone notice me? Will anybody notice what I've done? And if I can be perfectly honest with you and transparent with you, I'm, I'm always pretty honest with you, sometimes. But I'm gonna be really honest with you now. Um, when we moved here <clears throat> to Indiana, I was, pastor, I was a, an executive pastor at a large church in Oklahoma City. It was a great church, and with that role came some notoriety. People thought I was a little bit important because I pastored a, a, was on staff at a large church, and, um, and it's easy to kind of let that become part of your identity, uh, especially for men. Well, hey, I'm Bob. What do you do for a living, Bob? Well, I'm do this, and that's just part of who we are, and so one of my fears that was in the back of my mind, it was just for a moment, but honestly, one of the fears I had is what if I moved to Pennsylvania and everybody that I know forgets about me? All the people who think I'm good or important or have any kind of notoriety with, what if they forget about me? What if, what if I just go to this black hole in Indiana and we disappear and that's it, right? But the truth is that that was not a fear that was, had any foundation or any founding because it wasn't about the people around me, it was about God, but I still had this fear. What if, what if, what if? What if I don't have another opportunity? What if, what if this is it? Haven't we all had those fears before? Sometimes it's not, do I have enough or will I have enough, but am I enough? We feel, face those pressures every day in our workplace. Do I fit in with the cool kids? Do I get to sit at the cool table? 
Am I accepted by my peers? Am I enough? Can I do this job? Can I, can I be the husband that, that God has called me to be? Can I be the wife? Can I, can I be the spouse? Can I lead my family? Can I be the dad? I don't know if I'm enough. And we deal with these fears. And the truth is, we've been dealing with this fear since the beginning of time. Because <clears throat> at the core of this fear is the, this, this false idea that maybe God is holding out on us, that maybe God is withholding his best from us. And this started all the way back in Genesis. If you look in Genesis uh, chapter three, <clears throat> Adam and Eve were, were living life, things were good, and the serpent approached Eve and he said, hey, tell me about what's going on. Did God say you can't do this? And she said, yeah, God said we couldn't, <clears throat> excuse me, we couldn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or even touch it lest we would die. And then the, the serpent responds in verse four and it says, <clears throat> you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, <clears throat> knowing good and evil. So what he says is, um, basically, he said, God's holding out on you. God knows that if you, if you eat that fruit, he's, you're gonna be like him, so he's withholding his best from you. And somewhere in our minds, we have bought into this lie that, yeah, God's good, but maybe he's withholding something from me. Maybe he's holding out on me. Maybe he's not giving me his very best. And that's a troubling thought. But it's false. It's not true. We see that through scripture over and over and over. We see it in our lives over and over and over. So we deal with this fear of lack that we don't have enough. We see in Psalm chapter 34, thanks, Kevin. See, one person feels sorry for their pastor. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate that. Everybody sees me gagging up here. Kevin, thank you. <clears throat> this is what it says in Psalm chapter 34, verse four. <clears throat> it says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Now, if I stopped right there, that would be enough. It says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Now, we have to understand this. Many of us deal with fear, but few of us seek the Lord about it. Some of us even pray, God, take away my fear. But few of us will press into God and go, God, I don't know what's going on, but I, I, I just wanna know you more through this. I wanna trust you in a deeper way. I just wanna, I just wanna know you more intimately than I did before. Because that's not what it does. Because typically, as, as people, we want to remove ourselves from pain. I'm experiencing pain, I wanna remove myself from pain, right? I'm dealing with fear, I wanna remove myself from this fear. But what the psalmist said is, I, I was afraid, and I sought the Lord, and he delivered me from all my fear. If you're dealing with fear in this place today, I wanna encourage you, don't, don't just talk about it, don't just gripe about it. Seek God, press into him, and don't just ask him, take away my fear, but press into him. Try, seek to know him more and see what he does when he does that, or when you do that. Psalm 34, verse five says this. Those who look, at, uh, look to him are radiant. So it's talking about people who do press into the Lord. It says, those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Listen to this part. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. I wanna stop right there because it says the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And you're like, well, wait a second. I thought we're not supposed to be afraid. Well, there's two kinds of fear. There's a reverential fear <clears throat> that we're afraid in a way that, that draws us to God. And then there's a fear that drives us from God. 
If, let me explain this. Um, the reverential kind of fear helps us have an awe of who God is, and it's attractive to us. We go, God, because of who you are, I see who I am, and, and God, I'm not the center of the universe. You are the center of the universe. And it, and it humbles us, and it brings us into right relationship. The other kind of fear says, God, I don't want you to punish me because I know you're powerful, so just don't be mean to me and everything will be okay. And what it does is it, it creates a gap between us and God. And so what the, when the psalmist says the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, what it's saying is as we give an, a reverential fear to God and honor him for who he is, the angel of the Lord encamps around us. Now, let's say in your house you got a phone call one day and um, it was the president. No matter how you feel about the president, that's neither here nor there. You get a phone call from the president, and the president says, I've been thinking about it, and you are such a valuable asset. You're such an important person. I wanna make sure that you're protected, you and your family, so I'm gonna send 60 Secret Service agents to surround your house and protect you at all times. You're gonna be guarded. Now, no matter how you feel about the president, no matter what your politics are, there'd be something about that. You go, all right, right? I must be a VIP. There must be something about me that's important. Because why would the president go those links to protect me, right? It sounds like the worst television movie ever, by the way, but what if that happened? We'd feel honored. We'd feel like we're important. And this is what... The psalmist says, he said, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So when we honor God with a reverential fear, when we put God and ourselves in our proper light and the angel of the Lord encamps around us, what we should understand is that's an honor, that we should not be afraid about anything, should we? If we had 60 secret service agents surrounding your house, would you be afraid? I wouldn't. You know what, I'd probably have a lot fewer IUP students taking a pit stop in my yard on the way to the bars or away home from the bars at night. There's 60 secret service agents out there, right? I, I could sleep well at night. I wouldn't have to worry about prowlers. I wouldn't have to worry about who's trying to get in. Why? Because I have protection. And so what we have to understand is when we honor God and fear him in a reverential way, it offers protection. The, the glory of the Lord rests and encamps around us and offers protection from everything. And there's no reason to be afraid. Verse eight says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Now, that, that phrase, taste and see. If you're a parent, I think you'll understand this. My girls, when they were younger especially, I tried to get them to try new foods. And I'd say, hey, you need to try this. It's really good. And they go, no, I don't like it. You've never tried this before. No, I've seen it though, and I don't like it. No, I promise it, it's delicious. You need to have some of this. No, I'm good. And then the parent like kicks in in me, and I'm like, Okay, you're gonna try this or else, right? I'm gonna count to three, and if I get to two, you're gonna be in trouble. Um, no, I don't wanna do this. And you bribe them. Okay, if you try this, then we'll go to the meadows and get some peanut butter, Oreo swirl, ice cream, or, you know. You, you just, just try the food. Just try it. But there, there's this distrust for some reason. It's not like I've been feeding my girls yams or, you know, something crazy. I'm like, I swear it's great. It's liver and onions. Everybody eats it. It's delicious, right? Like, I'm not doing that. But for some reason, there's this mistrust, and they're like, no, thank you, I don't wanna eat it, the texture, the whatever. And, and so there's been times that I've fed them things, and then in the South, we eat crazy things. I've said before, in the South, we eat things out of ditches, crawfish, right? Like, come on. So, hey, try this fried okra. I don't know, and oh, no, and they'll eat it and go, ooh, that's disgusting. Okay, well, that's fine, at least you tried it, right? 
But there's been a few times that I've said, try this. And they go, no, no. And we argue back and forth. Finally, they go, okay, fine. And they, they'll be crying. I don't want to eat. I don't want to That's really good. That's right. I've been telling you it's good. Why didn't you trust me, right? But what did they have to do? They had to experience it to understand how good it was. And this is, this is what the psalmist is saying. He said, taste and see how good the Lord is. See, the problem is is some of us stand at a distance and see God, but we don't experience it. So the Lord is saying, you need to to try this. Oh, come on, you you need to experience this. And we go, no, I'm good. No, come on, come on, just just this once. You you need to. Nope, 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 it's okay. I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm doing just okay. Just fine without it, I don't need it. And God's saying, you don't even know what you're missing. You don't even know the experience that you're lacking. You don't know what you're missing out on because you refuse to experience how good God is. It says, blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. It goes on in verse nine. Now listen to this part. This is the part that really got me as I was reading it. Verse nine says, oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Those who fear him have no lack. Now, come on. We should be getting excited about that, shouldn't we? Those who fear the Lord have no lack. It's unequivocal. It doesn't say unless this happens or unless there's layoffs or unless there's a downturn or unless this happens. Nothing like that. What does it say? Those who fear the Lord have no lack. And then it finishes up in verse 10. It says, the young lions suffer want and hunger. And this is representative of strength and power and authority. And it says, even those in strength and power and authority will have want and hunger. And it goes on to say, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Now, when we get a hold of this, this should be freeing to us, this should be liberating to us. When we look at the word no lack, and when it says um, lack no good thing, the word that it's connected with is a word that we know, and I've talked about this before, but it's my favorite Hebrew word. This Hebrew word is shalom. Now, shalom is, in English is a lot of times translated just simply as peace. And so when we think about peace, we think of a lack of conflict. So when we think of peace, we think of two countries who stop fighting, they have peace. Or we think of our kids who are like, and you go, can I just have 10 minutes of peace and quiet, right? What you're saying is, please go to the other room and pester your mother, right? That's what you're really saying. And you're just like, stop fighting. And that's what we think peace is, is just lack of conflict. But that, that is not a good biblical interpretation of what peace is. Because what peace really is, it means wholeness or completion or lacking nothing is really what, what, what peace is all about, what shalom is. So when we look at uh, this word that says, no lack or lack no good thing, what we have to think about is this word shalom, this this word that means wholeness or completion. And so it's not just God's desire that that you have money so you can go on vacation. That's fine, but that is not God's ultimate desire. God's ultimate desire is that you will be whole in your life, that you will not have fear because you lack anything, because we understand that in God there is no lack, that we are complete and we are whole in him. So that's why I get frustrated with people who say things like, I just wanna find somebody who will complete me. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like you're doomed to divorce if you're looking for a spouse that will complete you because no one will complete you. Do you know who completes you? God. 
He's the only one that can complete you. He's the only one that can bring wholeness and completion to our lives. That's why I get so frustrated when I hear people chasing a dollar saying, man, if I just get that raise, or if I just get the promotion, or if I just get that better job, then my life will be fine. No, you think it will bring completion to your life, but a better job is not gonna bring completion to your life. It's not gonna bring peace in your finances. Do you know what brings peace in your finances? God, that's it. Be complete in him, be whole in him, lack nothing in him. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. See, that should be getting us excited. That should bring revival to us right there. In Philippians chapter four, Paul was addressing uh, the church of Philippi. They had been supporting his ministry financially, and they were not a wealthy church, uh, but they had been supporting him and blessing him, so he was thanking them for that. And there's a couple passages that you know well in here, but let me read some of this to you. In verse 11, it says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now listen to this. Paul just said, I've learned that in whatever situation I'm in to be content. Isn't that, a, isn't that an incredible statement? I, I, I'm your pastor, and I wish I could be content in every situation. But I struggle with that sometimes. I'm sure none of you do, but I do. So what's the secret? Well, we'll see in just a moment. It says, I know how to be brought low. And he, so he's giving examples of his contentedness. He, he says, I, basically, I've been content in being brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. He said, I've learned how to be content in everything. I've learned the secret. And then he reveals the secret in verse 13. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, sometimes we'll read this verse and we'll assume that it means God is going to bless me in whatever I choose to do. You know what? I woke up today and I decided I wanted to run a marathon. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what scripture says, right? But possibly I'm taking it out of context if I think that God's gonna help me run a marathon. Do you know why I'm probably not gonna be able to run a marathon? It's not because God's not strengthening me, it's because I ate two gallons of Meadows ice cream last night, right? It's because I haven't worked out in about uh, seven years. Um, why am I not gonna be able to run a marathon? Is it because God is not gonna strengthen me? No, it's because of me, right? So what does this verse mean? If you look at it in context, it's talking about finding contentment in our life. It's finding contentment in spite of our finances being low at times, because that's what Paul's saying. He said, hey, you know what? In Christ, as I press into him, I can be content in all things whether I have a lot or nothing, whether I have a, a great house or an outhouse. I don't care where I'm living or what's going on. You know what? Because I can be content in him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what this is saying. Anything God calls me to do, I can do. All things there, if you interpret it just slightly differently, it means without limits. Your life is limitless has no limits through Christ who strengthens you. When he calls you to live a life of contentment, you can do it. He's empowering you to do that, but you only find that through him. If you skip down a few more verses into verse 19, it says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> now sometimes we misquote this verse and we'll say, and my God will supply for all of my needs according to his riches and glory, which is fine, but what Paul is trying to do is trying to connect God's supply and provision to the Philippian church's generosity and faithfulness. 
So sometimes when we quote this verse and we go, hey, you know what? Um, man, I'm having a hard time financially, but God's gonna take care of all my needs according to his riches and glory. That's good. But you have to ask yourself, am I connecting that to generosity and faithfulness? Because God's promises are contingent on obedience. If we're not obedient, God does not have to fulfill any of his promises. That's how it works. It's kind of like when you tell your kids, hey, if you clean your room, we're going to get some ice cream. I'm a little obsessed with ice cream if you couldn't tell, right? <laughs> if you clean your room, we're going to get ice cream. Six hours later, the kids go, why didn't we get ice cream? And you go, you didn't clean your room. That's how it works. You promised, right? My promise was contingent on obedience. If you're not obedient, I don't have to give you ice cream, right? It is no different in the heavenly realm. So what is God saying? God's saying this. I can take care of all of your needs and, and my resources are extravagant. But it's contingent on obedience. It's contingent on your faithfulness. And so Paul's praying that. He says, may God supply every need of yours. Take care of every need you've got in your life. He's gonna supply and take care of every one of them according to his riches and glory. He's not taking care of them according to your need. He's not saying, oh, they have this little need. I'm gonna take care of their little need. He's got an exorbitant supply that he can tap into. He's not limited in the same way we are. You need peace in your life? He's got an exorbitant supply of peace that he can tap into. You need finances? He's got an exorbitant amount. You need um, peace in your relationships? He's got an exorbitant amount. Whatever it is you need, whatever it is you lack in your life, he's got the supply to tap into, but it's contingent on your faithfulness. Now, I knew you'd love that part of that message because the truth is, I said this earlier, fear is a choice, but so is faith. We get to choose to be afraid, or we can choose to activate the faith in our lives. W. Clement Stone said this, he said, thinking will not overcome fear, but action will. This is what it says in James chapter two. Um, we're, we're studying the book of James this summer. We're gonna spend like 10 weeks on the book of James. I'm excited about it. Um, but I'm studying ahead, so James is bleeding into my other messages. So James chapter two, verse 14 says this. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead. So what's it saying? It doesn't do any good to show up to church and say, hey brother, I hope you're doing well. Oh, I hope everything's great with you. If you see a brother in need, our responsibility is to, to act on that. So we say we have faith, but if we don't act on it, then faith is absent in our lives because action is the fruit of faith. Now, action is not what saves us. I wanna make that very clear. We're not saved by our works, but our works are a fruit of our faith. If we say we believe in God, then it should change how we act. It should change how we live. It should change how we respond to need. And if it doesn't, it probably means that our faith is not authentic. So he says, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Last week, we talked just for a moment. I mentioned this verse in the same passage that says that even the demons believe in Jesus and shudder, that it's not enough just to believe, but we have to believe and let that belief lead us to action. And this is that same passage we're looking at. If you look down in verse 26, it says, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from, the, from works is dead. So if we aren't activating our faith into action, our faith is not really faith. Our faith is just religious 
white noise. We're just going through the motions. We're just appeasing ourselves, making ourselves feel better when we show up to church. Oh, that was nice. The band performed really well today. Mel was funny. We talked about ice cream a lot. And that's it. But authentic faith says there's a need and I can do something about it. How can, how can I be a part? How can I give? How can I serve? How can I move into action to do something about the needs I see? It's not enough just to say there's a need, maybe somebody should do something. It's our responsibility to say, God, I wanna combat the fear of lack in my life and I wanna take action to do that. So what does that look like? What does that look like? Well, it can look a couple different ways. Let me give you a few challenges today. If you're here today and you struggle with a fear of lack in your life, one of the very best things you can do is begin to intentionally give in some way. Number one, give your time and talent to someone who can't pay you back. So maybe it's a neighbor who is elderly that you can go and shovel their driveway for them. You're lucky we're probably done shoveling, but maybe you, you clean up their leaves for them in the fall. Maybe you help them around their house. You just go and serve them in some way. They're not gonna be able to pay you. They're not gonna be able to bless you. Maybe you just help somebody that can't pay you back. Maybe you volunteer for an organization. I know a pretty good organization you could volunteer for sometime. Maybe it's not even the summit. Maybe you find someplace else that you go, I'm gonna give some time. I wanna give some of my talent away. I wanna, I wanna bless my community by giving. Maybe it's giving money. Again, I know a pretty good organization that you could give to. If you wanna give to the summit, it's really simple. We'd love for you to be a part of that. I think God blesses our faithfulness in giving when we do. But there are other organizations. My heart is not just to get your money in the summit. My heart is to activate generosity in your life so that you will live generously in every aspect of your life. Money is one part of that, though. Maybe you wanna give things away. This was really good for me. Um, I started, just started giving things to friends, like, hey, I know you like this kind of stuff. I just wanna bless you with it. Hey, um, I have a jersey collection. And uh, I don't know why I accumulated it because I was a fanboy nerd at one point and I started giving jerseys away when I knew, hey, I know you're a fan of this guy. I just wanna bless you with it. And it was so freeing for me to be able to release things to others and just bless others with those things. So maybe you've got some things in your life that you can just bless somebody else with. This is really important. And I'm not a journaler, but maybe you keep a journal where you write down what you're grateful for that day. It's good for us to remind ourselves how good God is um, I meet with a lot of different pastors, and there are times, almost every time, Tracy Galley is one of our staff. She's one of, um, basically my assistant and works with our finances, and her office is right next to mine, so I'll come in many times after I meet with another pastor, and I'll walk into her office and go, oh, I love our church. Oh, we've got a great church. Or, oh, my gosh, I love our board. Oh, I love our board. They're so great. Or, man, my, I love our staff. Oh, gosh, you know? Because I'll talk to these other pastors and I'll hear what they're dealing with and what they're struggling with and I'll think, oh, God, thank you for what I've got. It's a good reminder. Maybe you spend some time with another family and you see their kids and it reminds you how good your kids are. Or maybe you spend some time with another, with another woman and she tells you about what her husband's been up to and you think, man, maybe my husband's not such a doofus after all, right? Like, maybe he's all right. Whatever it is, make some notes about that. Write it down. Take an opportunity to tell people thank you. Give your time. Remind yourself of God's goodness. And the last thing is, learn to focus on giving without asking what you get out of it. 
And this is really, really, really important because when we do that, we are learning the true heart of generosity. Um, one of the things I said a moment ago was that I've been spending time, some time with other pastors and I feel like one of, one of the things that is really important to us as a church is being generous to other churches and blessing and helping other churches. God has made us a big church, not just because we wanna have a big church, but because we have a responsibility to help other churches and grow the kingdom and build the kingdom. And so one of the things that I've started doing is helping other pastors that are struggling, that are having a hard time, that, that are trying to grow their church but don't know how, and we can just come alongside them and encourage them and bless them. And, and I was resistant to that. Um, not because I didn't wanna help, but because I thought, we got a lot of things going on here and I don't have time. I don't have enough energy, I don't have enough resources, I don't have enough to help those other guys. And when I started doing it, I came alive in it because I don't get anything out of that. It doesn't benefit the summit, it benefits God's kingdom, it grows the kingdom. I, I don't get glory out of that. They're not trotting me up there going, hey, the church is growing, it's because of this guy. Like, nope, I'm just trying to help the pastor strategize and plot a course, and, but I've come alive in that because I love serving the kingdom. I love serving, that's what we're built to do. So I wanna challenge you today, if you're here and you're dealing with a fear of lack in any area of your life, the best way to fight that lack is with faith. And faith is activated in our actions. When we take action, our faith comes alive. So I wanna challenge you today, take action, whatever way that might be. Maybe that, that's you starting to give for the first time financially to the summit. Maybe you're here and you're gonna start to serve. Maybe you're here and you, you're thinking of people that you can invite. Maybe you've been afraid of inviting people. Maybe you, you're here and you're thinking of the neighbor that you're gonna go to and just bake them some brownies or bake them, you know, do something for them to serve them. Whatever it might be, take action. Don't just hear this message and leave. Hear this message and do something with it. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, thank you so much that you are a God of action. But Lord, though we deal with fear on so many levels, Lord, I thank you that your word tells us that perfect love drives out all fear. So Lord, let us love you perfectly just like you love us. Lord, let us press into you. Let our faith grow. And as it does, Lord, let it be activated through us taking action, through us doing something to bring glory to you. God, have your way with us over these next few minutes. And with your head bowed, your eyes closed, I just wanna ask if you're here today and you say, Mel, <clears throat> man, I've never made Jesus Lord of my life. I've never asked him to forgive me. I've never um, really been a follower of Jesus or, or you know, made God the Lord, but today I know I need to. Maybe you're here and you've been, you've been afraid. Maybe you, you You've been afraid to give up control. Maybe you've been afraid of, of what that might mean, but today you're here and you say, I, I wanna make that change. I wanna confess him as Lord. I wanna, I wanna be right with God. Without anybody looking around, if you're here today, I wanna tell you, I'm not gonna embarrass you or make you come forward. I just wanna pray with you where you're at. So if you're here and you wanna pray that prayer and you wanna make Jesus Lord of your life, would you just put your hand up real high where I can pray with you? Thank you, ma'am. Who else says that's me? Pray with me. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Up in the balcony, a couple of hands. Who else says that's me? Pray for me. Okay. This is what I'd like to do. I want to pray a really simple prayer, and I want everyone in the room to repeat this, whether you raised your hand or not. So please repeat this prayer after me. Say it boldly. Say it out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying the price for my sin on the cross. 
My life is yours. The things that I lack, you make up for. Thank you that there's an abundance in you. Take my life, use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause for these three people today. Thank you, Jesus. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, there's a card like this one in the seat back in front of you. Please fill it out. Let us know about the decision you made today. Drop it in one of our offering boxes before you leave. Sign up for baptisms coming up here in just a few weeks. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Uh, you can get connected to Pastor Dick's group called Starting Point. It's a great place for new believers, people that are growing in their faith to figure out what the next steps are. So please take advantage of that. Stay in your feet all over the room. We're gonna worship together. Uh, one more time, and then Steph is gonna come and dismiss us. While we're worshiping together, our prayer team's on either side of the stage. If you're here today and you've got prayer needs of any kind, come and let us know about it. We wanna pray with you, we wanna agree with you, and help you see that you're not in this thing alone. So let's worship together before we dismiss. Guys, I love you more than you know, and I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. God bless you.
for that. No matter our life circumstances, Lord God, let us always remember that you are in control and that you have the ability to give us whatever we need when we need. Lord God, when, when we are in good times, it is easy for us to say it is well with our soul and it is easy for us to praise you. But Lord God, when it's not a good time, My name is Steph McCoy, and I just wanna remind you of a few things right before we go. You know and you've heard that we have the egg hunt coming up this Saturday, so do us a favor, invite a friend. It's gonna be a great time. We've got inflatable obstacle courses, carnival games, lots of things going on. And it's gonna be higher than 23 degrees. It's 24, no, I'm just kidding. It's gonna be 40, high 40s, high 40s. I looked it up. And um, secondly, we have baptisms coming up April 9th and 10th. So if you've never been baptized, go ahead and um, sign up for that at the Info Center. And then lastly, we love stories here at the Summit. And um, I wanna show you a quick story of a woman who is using her talents to be generous. Have a seat real quick. My name's Sherry Briscoe, and my family and I have been coming to the summit for a little over a year now. When I was in my early 20s, I would say, the church I was attending, I was really active in, and the pastor there had just started asking me to do some different projects, props for the stage and different visuals, and through doing that, I guess is when I realized that I had a talent and it just helped me to realize all the things that I could do with it. Since then, I have um, done sets for um, the school musicals and prom scenes. Um, I've done kind of a cake business on the side that I've just created um, artistic cakes and just using it personally to help my kids with projects and, and things like that. I don't really limit myself because I just, um, see the possibilities of using a talent that the Lord has given me um, and we can't really limit him. And when I look at a completed project, 
um, it's just exciting to see that the Lord enabled me to do it um, because without him I, I really wouldn't have been able to. I believe that we were each given a talent for a purpose and God wants to use it. Recently I was asked to head the stage design team and since I enjoy it so much, I'm hoping to build a team of people that get the same satisfaction out of doing um, the same work or what, wherever their talents lie, just using their talents because I enjoy using mine so much um, that they'll get the same satisfaction out of being part of that. I hope when people see the, the things that I create and the things that I do that um, they realize that there's something in them that they could be using their talent for um, that has endless possibilities uh, because God gives us all a talent. Um, so once we realize what it is and we use it for Him, we can do anything with it. Awesome. We're thankful for Sherry and her team, and, and I don't want you to watch that and think, oh, I'm not artistic, so I don't have a talent. But God's given us all talents that we can use for his kingdom, so um, we can be generous with our time, with our finances, and our talents, so I'm thankful for that. Um, if you wanna give today, you can take this offering envelope in the seat back in front of you, put some cash or check in there, and drop it in the offering box as you leave. You can give online at summittogether.com, and you can also give by texting Summit PA to 77977. So let me pray and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you are in this place and you're doing great things, um, more than we could ever comprehend. I thank you that you allow us to be a part. Um, God, I'm just thankful that you love us and that you, you cherish us and adore us. And I pray um, for this outreach this weekend, God, I pray that many, many would see Jesus in us, um, God, and ultimately that they would come into relationship with you through that. So bless what you're doing here. Bless these people as they go. It's in your name, amen. Have a great day.
Summit Church. Thank you for joining us today. Please stand as we worship this morning.
says you inhabit the praises of your people. So we're confident today, God, that we know you're here. And may all that we do and say, God, be pleasing to you today.
for everything that he's done, everything you know about, and everything that you don't. He deserves our glory, our honor, and our praise today. Thank you, Jesus.
so grateful that you are among us in this place. And God, I thank you that when you show up, things change. So God, we don't wanna come in here and just go through the motions and leave here the same. But God, I pray today that we would be made different by your spirit, that God, your Holy Spirit in this place would change us and shape us into your image. So God, I pray today that if people have come in here dealing with fear, God, I pray that you'd set them free from that. Lord, help them. raise their faith level, Lord. Help them combat that fear with faith in you today. God, I pray for people who have come in here with baggage from their week, with disappointments and difficulties and struggles. And God, I pray that we would lay that at your feet and learn to trust you more. And God, as we do, let us realize who we are in you, that we are conquerors, that we're more than conquerors in you, that we are overcomers. So Lord, I pray your spirit on this place today. I pray your your Holy Spirit move in us today. Let us be transformed for your glory. So Lord, have your way among us. Speak in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, it's great to see you, Summit Church. How are we doing today? It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. Do me a favor. Step out from your seat. Go find somebody you don't know and tell them that you are glad to see them at the Summit Church today. Good morning, how are we doing today, Summit Church? Good, it's great to see you, so glad you are here today. Uh, My name is Mel Massingale, I'm the lead pastor here at the Summit. I wanna say thank you for worshiping with us today. If you're a guest with us, if this is your first time, there's guest cards that look like this one on the seat back in front of you. Grab this card, fill it out for us at the conclusion of our worship experience today. You can stop by out in the lobby at our info center and uh, give this to them. They're gonna give you a free gift. They're also gonna say uh, thank you for being here and answer any questions you might have about the summit. I also wanna welcome all of you that are watching online at summittogether.com. No matter where you are or how you're joining us, thank you for making the summit a part of your day. And I wanna say a particular welcome to a group of friends from the summit that are are down in Florida today. Um, We feel sorry for you in Florida, it's raining here. A bunch of people from uh, Turner's is a cheerleading gym here in town that uh, I think we got eight or nine families from there that are down in Florida for a cheerleading competition, including Todd and Jennifer Stanley and their family. So welcome to you guys. I know you're watching right now live together, so we love you guys. Hope you do well, and uh, we'll see you soon. So again, thank you for being here today, guys. Thank you for worshiping with us. Um, I got a couple things coming up I wanna tell you about before we go any further. Uh, Man, we got... Easter season is crazy busy for us around here. It's, it's busy at every church, but it's crazy busy around here at the summit. So we've got a bunch of things coming up, and I can't tell you about all of them in the detail that I would like to. So if you need have questions or you want more information, you can go to our website, summittogether.com. 
for more information about any of these. The first thing I wanna mention to you is that we've got our uh, annual Easter egg outreach, or Easter outreach is coming up uh, March the 19th, so that's this Saturday, and it'll be at 1 p.m. We've got two different locations. One is at Ben Franklin Elementary, just right around the corner here, and the other one is at East Pike Elementary on the other side of town. Um, two different sites, the exact same things are going on at both locations. It's free, and we want you to be there. We'd love for you to be there and be a part of that. Uh, it starts at 1 p.m., uh, a couple ways you can get involved. Number one, show up, bring your family. Uh, but don't just show up and bring your family, bring people. This is an outreach. This is an opportunity for us to reach people who don't attend church, who don't know God. Bring them out for this. Invite them, get them there. Uh, so that's one thing you can do. The second thing you can do is help us promote it. So we've got invite cards. We've got, I don't know if we've got any signs left, but we had yard signs and all kinds of stuff out in the lobby. You can stop by the table out there, pick those up, and help us promote it this week. Let people know about it. And then the final thing you can do is, um, what is the final thing? Oh yeah, you could serve. That was the other thing. What else am I thinking here? Uh, but you can serve at this as well. So if you're interested in signing up to serve as a part of uh, the, the help for our Easter outreach, it is gonna be an incredible day. Uh, if you're interested, you can see Steph McCoy. She'll be up here at the end of the worship experience today. She'll also be out in the lobby by those tables. Sign up with her, get connected with her. She can answer questions for you. So that is this Saturday coming up. Um, the following weekend is Easter weekend, and it starts off on Friday. On Good Friday this year, um, we're, we're partnering with our friends over at Saving Grace Church. Uh, for the last few years, they have done a Good Friday service there. They've hosted a Good Friday service at Saving Grace. It used to be Sovereign Grace, if you're confused. But um, last year, I attended, and just I just went and attended and, and worshiped with them, and it was great. There's all these churches from all over our community, and after the service was over with, one of the pastors from Saving Grace came to me, and great guy, and we love them, and he just said, hey, I just want you to know, we love your church. And I said, well, thanks, and he said, but we can't invite you to be part of this. And I said, oh, okay, well, whatever, that's fine. I'm, you know, I'm not gonna be offended. And he said, no, your church is just too big. And he said, uh, we don't have enough room for everybody. We, can't, we can barely get everybody we have now in this place, so we'd love for you to speak, but we know if you speak, then too many people and not enough parking and, you know, all that stuff. So do you understand? And I said, yeah, no problem. And I wasn't offended in the least. I totally get it. It's not a problem. So this year, a few, I don't know, a month or so ago or two months ago, I got an email, and it said, hey, we want you to speak, be one of our speakers for our Good Friday event. And I got back with the guy who told me last year we were too big, and I said, hey, I just, I just want you to know, we're actually bigger than we were last year. Do you know that? And he said, yeah, but we want you to be a part. And so I said, all right. So um, I'm gonna be one of the speakers for our Good Friday event this year over at Saving Grace, and I would love for you guys to be there and be a part. So if you're interested, the only caveat is it starts at 7 p.m., so if you want a good seat, you probably need to be there early, like not church early where you get there two minutes before it starts. You probably need to be there like 45 minutes early, like 6.15, something like that to get a good seat. Um, so if you're interested in being there, get there early, but I'd love for you to be there. Love to uh, support what God's doing in our community because God's doing big things at the summit, but God wants to do big things at every church in our community. This is not just about the summit. This is about God's kingdom expanding and growing and, and God doing incredible things here in this area. And one person is so excited about that. That's good. So... Um, So I guilted some of the rest of you into clapping too. That's fine. Um, so that is, that is Friday of Easter weekend. Then Saturday and Sunday, we're gonna be having church. 
That's a shocker, right, on Easter weekend. So Saturday night at 5 and 6.30, and then Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, and 11. And I wanna encourage you, I've said this before, if you are part of the summit, especially if you're a member, but if you are, this is your home church and you normally attend here, please help us out. Think about coming to that 8 a.m. service or coming to the 5 p.m. on Saturday. Come to a service that you normally wouldn't attend uh, in order to make room for people who are gonna be guests because we're really believing we can have 2,000 people that weekend between our five services. And we wanna see as many people come to know Jesus as we possibly can. And we don't want them to be distracted by having to find chairs or having to find parking or any of those things. So we wanna make as much space as possible Easter weekend. But with that said, invite everybody you know Easter weekend. We want them here. Um, to hear what God is gonna speak to them because I, I, I believe it's gonna be life-changing. So that's Easter weekend. And the following weekend after that, so on April 2nd and 3rd, we've got Marion Jones with us. She is a former Olympic athlete. She won seven Olympic medals. Um, she was arrested and uh, put in prison for uh, lying to federal investigators about performance-enhancing drugs. And uh, she spent time in jail. She was stripped of her medals. And she ultimately went on to play in the WNBA after she went to prison. Um, so she's got an incredible story. God's just really done a redemptive work in her life. And so she's going to be sharing her story with us Saturday night at 6.30 and Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, and 11. So I, again, I want to encourage you that weekend, please come to the 8 a.m. service that day. It would really help us out to create space for guests who are going to be with us that weekend. So lots of stuff going on, lots of good things come up going on, and we want you to be a part of all of it. If you've got questions, please let us know. Um, go to our website, summittogether.com. You can find out more information there. A lot of good things going on at the summit. One of the things I'm really excited about is I, I told you last week, um, I introduced you via video to our youth pastor, uh, Josh Walters, and his wife, Bryn. And so I'm excited because Josh is with us today. And so I want to introduce to you uh, Pastor Josh Walters. So please welcome him with me to the stage this morning. Thank you, man. Josh, welcome to the summit. Why don't you just greet the people, man? Good morning, Summit Church. Uh, it's truly a pleasure to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, my wife and I are really honored to have the opportunity uh, to come to Indiana to both be a part of uh, what's going on here in the church and what God's doing in the community of Indiana. Uh, we've already started working on some trips and some really awesome events for the youth here. Uh, we know that God is going to do some great things through those. Um, you guys be in prayer with us as we transition um, we, we really are excited and we know that we need to get you guys to be a part of things. Uh, and one of the ways that you can do that is through prayer. Um, there are very few things that I enjoy more than building relationships uh, and making new friends. So as you guys see me out and about, feel free to come up, uh, say hello, introduce yourself. I look forward to meeting every one of you. Thank you so much, Josh, man. I love you. I'm glad to have this guy here. Yeah, give him a hand. Thank you so much. <laughs> Felt like I was pushing my like, okay, that's enough, get out of here. Just enough clapping for you. Uh, Josh is great. I'm excited about him being here. And last night, um, I feel like it was confirmation. You know when the Holy Spirit moves in some really specific ways in your life? And one of those ways was last night. Uh, after we finished, we went to dinner together. And, um, and then we went to the meadows last night. And we had... I got to introduce Josh to the Meadows. If you're not from Indiana and you don't know what the Meadows is, I just believe it's gonna be a spiritual experience for you to try it. But it's not, it's a frozen custard place, but it's not just frozen custard. Last night, they had the frozen custard. It was um, peanut butter Oreo swirl. And it was just like, whoo, like, mm. You could just sense the Holy Spirit moving as you were eating this ice cream. And so Josh and I had this moment together that we shared. So feel very close to Josh now. Um, 
So no, Josh is here, and we're so glad to have him. He's a great addition to our team. I'm so excited for you to meet Bryn as well. Uh, she'll be here in a few weeks when she gets her uh, responsibilities wrapped up out in Lancaster. So thank you again for being here today. We are continuing a series called uh, Sweet Dreams, and the byline is what keeps you up at night. Because really, I think all of us to some degree or another deal with fear. All of us to some degree or another deal with some sort of anxiety and some sort of fear of what might be happening, what might transpire, what's going on, how things will turn out, what it might be, uh, whatever it might be. We deal with some of these fears. And what we wanna do during the course of this series is just address these and walk through them together. Um, Last week we talked about the fear of the unknown and how crippling that can be in our lives. Today we're gonna talk for a few minutes about the fear of lack or the fear of scarcity, or maybe an easier way to say it is the fear of not enough. And I feel like that is a fear that a lot of us deal with today in one fashion, form or fashion or another. Um, statistics say 40 million Americans in the United States today deal with anxiety disorders. Now that's not anxiety, that's anxiety disorder. So it's, it's anxiety to the degree that it cripples us and prevents us from living a normal life. And if you're here today and you're one of those 40 million, there's no condemnation in that. But I also want you to know that you don't have to live in that, that God can set you free, that there's ways that God can help you. And, and we wanna help explore that a little bit today. There's a writer named Dave Barry that you might be familiar with, and he said this about fear. He said, all of us are born with a set of instinctive fears, the fear of falling, the fear of the dark, the fear of lobsters, the fear of falling on lobsters in the dark, or the fear of public speaking, or the words, some assembly required. All of us have fear that we deal with, right? Maybe your fear isn't falling on lobsters in the dark, Uh, maybe I just introduced a fear to some of you. You're gonna have a nightmare tonight about falling on lobsters in the dark. But the truth is, all of us deal with fear to some degree or another. I I shared this verse with you last week. I'm gonna share this with you again. I'm gonna read verse 26, and then I'd like us all to read verse 27 together. It says in John chapter 14, this is Jesus talking. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now let's read verse 27 together. It says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I love this because what Jesus says, and he makes very clear, is that he's going to be gone, but he's leaving his peace, his his portion, his uh, part of the peace for us. Now, um, I don't know about you, but um, like in my house, I get a bigger portion, right? I'm the head, I'm the dad, so I get more food. And so it's different. If Emma says, I can share my portion with you, it's like, well, there's not really very much to share, baby, so thank you, I'm good, right? But the, when daddy has a portion, it's more, it's more to share. And what Jesus is saying is, I've got a portion to share. He said, I'm gonna leave you my peace. You don't have to rely on the peace the world gives you. You don't have to rely on the peace that your job gives you or that any other factor in your life gives because you can live on the peace that I'm giving you, the same peace that allowed him to go to the cross, the same peace that, that allowed him to navigate the trouble and the, the, the opposition in his life is the same peace we have access to today. And then he goes on to say, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So Jesus seems to indicate that we have a choice when it comes to fear. That we can choose fear. But maybe more importantly, we can choose faith as well. Because faith is the antidote to fear. The only way to combat fear in our life is through faith in God. Because if we could just stop being afraid, we would, wouldn't we? If we could just make it go away, we would, wouldn't we? 
But many of us deal with fear that's, that's unreasonable. We deal with a fear that, that doesn't make sense, so it's hard just to reason it away. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And this isn't just repetitious hearing the word. It's not just repetitious hearing a message. It's not just repetitious memorizing scripture. That's not what it's about. All those things are good and they're valuable, but it's not just about mechanically going through the motions, but it's about pressing into what it really means. It's about pressing into the heart of Christ because that is where life is found. When we press into the heart of Jesus, we begin to resemble him. We begin to look like him. We begin to respond like him. We begin to think like him. And that's where the value is. So faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So as we get the word of Christ in us, there's life in that. I've told you before, I've said from the stage, um, you, as a church, you only begin to really understand something when you can mock me about it when I'm not around. So when I get emails from people and at the end they say, I love you more than you know and I'm so glad you're my pastor, that means they get it, right? Um, or when somebody hugs me and they tear up, and say, I'm so glad, I'm, I love you more than you know, and they say it to me, that means they get it because they're kind of making fun of me. I'm okay with that because the trick's on you because you're starting to understand what I say in every service now, right? Uh, and so what Jesus is saying is, hey, get this in you to such a degree that it begins to come out of you, right? Know it so well that it's coming out of you. And that's what happens when we press into Jesus. We get to know it so well that it just comes out of us. Now, it's not just a religious thing. It's not just something we do, because it's easy to throw out platitudes and religious sayings and things like that. How are you doing, brother? Well, I'm struggling, brother. Well, I'll be praying for you, brother. Like, how phony is that? Uh, sometimes when I go, no, you're not. You're lying. Pray for me right now. Let's pray right now. And you know, don't just tell me you're gonna pray for me. But pray for me, right? Don't just throw out some religious junk. And sometimes we do that. I heard a story this last week. There was a mom, she was cooking dinner in her kitchen and her son was standing there in the kitchen with her. And she said, hey, honey, would you, would you go to the, the, the pantry and, and get a can of beans for me? And he said, mom, I, I can't do that. She said, no, it's just in the pantry. It's the second shelf. You can reach it. Just, just go get the beans. I, I need them here in a minute. We gotta get this going. He said, but mama, I can't. He said, oh, it's dark in the pantry and I'm afraid of the dark. So like any good mom, she tried to reassure her son. She tried to help him and she said, huh, honey, don't worry. I mean, you don't have to worry about the dark. There's nothing in there. And you know what? You don't have to worry because Jesus said he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's in the dark room with you. When you go in there, Jesus is gonna be with you. So he kind of thought about it and he straightened himself up a little bit and he said, okay. So in just a moment, she heard her son go to the pantry door and he opened the door and from the edge of the room, he, he spoke into the dark room and he said, Jesus, if you're in there, can you hand me the beans? <laughs> and sometimes we want God to work in our life in that way. Like, you just take care of the problem, I don't wanna have to deal with it. And that's not always how it works. So what we have to understand is faith is the antidote to fear. So what does that mean in our life? What does that look like? Today, like I said, we're gonna be talking about the fear of scarcity or the fear of lack if I can define the fear of lack, I would define it as this. It's the fear that your resources will expire and your needs won't be met. Now, it's easy to default back to finances when we define it like this. It's easy to, to automatically default back to what we have. And I want us to be careful because the fear of lack can be so much more than just simply the fear of not having enough money. Now, that's obviously part of it. Money's a big part of our lives. It's part of how we live. But that is not everything when it comes to the fear of lack. Because for some of you, a very real circumstance is maybe you are dealing with 
a fear of lack of money or lack of resources because maybe you've been laid off, maybe you lost your job and you're wondering how are we gonna make a living, how are we gonna pay the bills? Maybe you haven't been laid off, maybe you're just here and you're just barely making it paycheck to paycheck every week and if you have a disaster or something comes up in your house, you're not sure if you're gonna be able to pay the bills so you deal with this fear of lack, of not enough and wondering if you're gonna be able to make it. Some of you are here and you've retired but you've seen your 401k go down and down and down and down. You're wondering, are we gonna be able to keep living off this or am I gonna have to get a job? And you've got some fear of, of lack. Some of you might be um, out of school or you're about to be out of college and you're looking at those, those student bills, the student loans that you're gonna have to pay off and you're wondering how in the world am I gonna pay this off? And you're looking at the amount you owe and you think, I don't remember getting a doctorate, but I owe six figures, right? And you're like, how in the world am I supposed to do that? I got an art degree, <laughs> right? You're scared and you're wondering how it's gonna work out. Some of you might be dealing with uh, the fear of lack of time. Maybe you feel like you've squandered a portion of your life and now you feel like you've only got so much left to, to make a difference or make an impact and you're wondering, man, I just don't have enough time. Maybe you've got a child in your house and you've realized that child's getting older and you're running out of time and you think, I just, I wish I had a little more time. You're dealing with that, that scarcity of time in your life. You might be single here if you are, there's nothing wrong with that. Singlehood's a great thing. It really is. Paul, the Apostle Paul says it's better if you can stay single. Some of you are like, why don't you shut up? I'm single and I don't like it, right? This is the thing. Maybe you're here today and you live in Indiana, Pennsylvania and you're single and you're thinking, God, are you ever gonna bring a godly man into my life? Are you ever gonna bring a godly woman into my life? God, are you ever gonna bring the right person into my life? And maybe you're dealing with a scarcity of, of relationships in that area. Maybe it's not even, it's not even uh, romantic relationships, maybe it's friendships. Um, the world we live in today says, you got a ton of friends. You got 5,000 friends on Facebook, right? Your birthday rolls around, you get 500 happy birthdays. You seem like the most popular person in the world until tragedy strikes or something goes wrong in your life and then all of a sudden you realize, I don't have 500 friends. And you start to think, where are all my friends? And you start to have this fear, maybe I don't have enough. Uh, bigger fear than that for some people is not that I don't have enough, but maybe I'm not enough. Maybe I'm not enough of a man to leave my home. Maybe I'm not enough of a man to have the job that I always wanted. Maybe I'm not enough of a, a person to lead an organization or to run a company or whatever it might be. And we start to have these fears of lack and it not, it's not just related to finances, it's related to every area of our life if we're not careful. Do I have enough? Can I be enough? And God wants to help us with that. The truth is we've been dealing with this problem since the beginning of time. If you look all the way back in the book of Genesis, um, Adam and Eve were created, they're in the garden, life is good, and the serpent approaches Eve, and he asks her about what God said. He said, did God say you can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Is that, is that what he said? He starts questioning this, and this is what it says in verse four. This is what the serpent says. You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God knowing good and evil. And what he did is he planted the seed in Eve and Adam's mind that maybe God's not good. Maybe God is withholding his very best from you because he doesn't want you to have it. Maybe God's holding out on you. And this is, 
Unfortunately, this is a problem that has plagued humanity since the beginning of time. We've questioned and wondered, maybe God is holding out on me. Maybe God's not healing me because he's not good. Maybe God is not providing for me because he's not good. Maybe there's more out there that God just won't give me. And it helps fuel this, this fear of scarcity in our life that we don't have enough, that we'll never get enough, that we'll never be enough, that maybe God is holding out on us. But that is not the case. We see over and over and over in scripture how God feels about us. We see over and over and over again in our daily lives how he feels about us, how he provides for us, how he takes care of us. That at the end of the day, this fear of scarcity is a fear straight from the pits of hell. In Psalm chapter 34, I love the book of Psalms. I mean, I love the book of Psalms, especially specifically chapter 34. There's a verse in chapter 34, it's in verse 18. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. It says, the Lord draws near to the brokenhearted and he rescues those that are crushed in spirit. I love that, and that's such an encouraging verse for me because there's times that I get a little bit down or I get discouraged about something, and I'll remind myself, you know what, when I'm down, when I'm disappointed, when I feel like I've been defeated, that's when God comes alongside me, this parakaleo God, but he encourages me and blesses me and lifts me up, and that's when he draws nearest to us is when we feel down. He rescues us in those moments. So I've read Psalm 34 tons of times, hundreds of times, but a couple weeks ago, I read through this portion again and it just stuck out to me. So I'm gonna start in verse four and it says this. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Now, if that's all I read, that should be enough because this is what it says. I sought God and he responded, he spoke. And you know what he did? He delivered me from all my fears. This is the God we serve. We serve a God that will respond to us and that will deliver us from all of our fears. So no matter what you're dealing with today, the answer is, again, I've said this last week, I'm saying it again today, we press into God. We seek God and you go, well, Mel, I've been seeking God about my fears. I've been praying about it every day, but sometimes our prayer looks like this, God, fix my problem pretty quick, right? I need you to do it and I need you to do it yesterday, God. I'm, I'm tired of being afraid, so help me not be afraid anymore. And, and that's not what the psalmist is talking about. The psalmist is talking about seeking God, pressing into him, knowing his heart, and not just saying, here's my ransom note. Give me what I want, right? So the psalmist says we press into God, and when we do, he answers, he responds, and then he delivers us from our fears. Verse five goes on to say, those who look to him are radiant. So again, we're talking about people who are pressing into God. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Now I wanna stop there for a second. Think about this, get this imagery in your head. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Now no matter what your politics are, whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, doesn't make any difference. Suspend disbelief for a moment. Imagine you get home from church today and your phone rings and you pick up the phone and it's the unmistakable voice of our president. And he said, listen, you are a very valuable person to the United States of America and we are so valuable that we wanna protect you and your family and so I'm gonna send 60 secret service secret, secret, 60 secret service agents, wow, that's a tongue twister, to your house to guard you. They're gonna guard you, they're gonna guard your family, they're gonna guard your house. They're gonna be on patrol 24-7. You never have anything to worry about. How would you feel about that? Again, politics aside, number one, you'd probably feel pretty valuable, right? Like, well, 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 
I guess my, my dad was wrong about me. I am important, right? Like, you'd think, all right. Somebody thinks I'm valuable. And then the other thing you'd realize is, I don't have anything to be afraid of. <laughs> Who's gonna break into my house, right? What prowler is coming around your place? What drunk IUP student is gonna stumble onto your porch? It's not gonna happen, right? I, I told the earlier audience that uh, I've had some incidents of students um, taking a little pit stop in my yard on the way to or from, you know, like the Coney at night. And so I would not have to worry about that any longer if there was a guy shaped like Josh in the bushes with a gun, right? Like, that would probably be taken care of. I would sleep good at night knowing I don't have anything to worry about. Nobody's, gonna, nobody's messing with me. Does anybody else agree with that? Now, this is the same image that the psalmist gives us when it comes to God. What does it say? It says, the angel of the Lord camps around those who fear him. Now you go, well, Mal, isn't it wrong to fear? Are we talking about getting rid of fear? But there's a reverential fear that draws us to God, and then there's a, a, a fear that we talk about normally that, that pushes us away from God. There's a fear of God where it, it repels us, it keeps us from being in a healthy relationship, but then there's a reverential fear that we see God who, who he really is, and we honor him for who he really is. We put things in the right perspective, and we go, okay, God, you are God and I am not. And it helps us understand who he is and who we are. And it's attractive, it draws us to him. And so this is the kind of fear that it's talking about. So when we, when we fear the Lord, what he does is he encamps the angel of the Lord around us. The God shows up, his glory surrounds us and protects us and it delivers us. So what we have to understand is number one, if, if God would do this, we are valuable. You have value in the eyes of God. He is willing to dispatch his resources on your behalf because you have value. And the other thing is, you have nothing to be afraid about. You think the enemy of your soul can do anything to you when the angel of the Lord is encamped around you? No, no, what's the key? It's a reverential fear of who God is. It's understanding who he is. It's pressing into who he is. Verse eight says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. If you've got children, you understand this. But with my girls, especially when they were younger, it was impossible to get them to try new things. They were not very daring. So it was like, what's for dinner? Well, you get chicken nuggets or hot dogs or nothing. Like, that's what it's going to be. Like, that was their choices every night. And so it would be, well, try this. And they'd go, no, I don't want to try that. No, you'll like it. No, I've had it before. I don't like it. Where did you have this before? Uh, well, I just don't like the way it looks. What are you talking about? It looks great. No, it doesn't. I don't like that texture. You're like, oh my gosh, just try the food. So at first it was like, you're gonna like it, you should try it. And then by the end it's like, you're gonna try this food. I'm gonna hurt you if you don't try this roast, right? Like we worked a long time for this food. I'm gonna, you know, you negotiate. It's like, <laughs> it's like a hostage exchange. You're like, please just eat the food. What do we have to do to get you to eat the food? I'll do whatever. You need a helicopter, you can have it. Just take the food, right? Like, come on. And I would get to the point where I was trying to just try it. I know you're gonna like it, just try it. And they would resist, no, no, no. And sometimes there'd be tears. No, I don't wanna try it. I don't want to, no, no. And finally, you're like, hey, that's really good. Can I have some more of that? And you're like, no. You can't have any more, right? Like, God, if you'd have just tried it in the first place, you've been fighting with me. But you gotta try it to experience how good it is, right? And this is what God says to us. This is what the psalmist is saying. Taste and see how good our God is. See, some of us have seen from a distance, but we haven't experienced it. 
We go, oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go to church, but I'm never gonna taste and see. <laughs> no, thank you. I've tried that before. You have? Well, no, but I, I know what it probably tastes like. And God's going, just try it. Just press in. Just experience me and see how good it is. This is what the psalmist is saying. You, you will never know what you're missing out on. You'll never know what you lack until you press in to God and experience him and try him and see how good it really is. In verse nine, it goes on to say this. This is, verse nine and 10 are so powerful. It says this. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Fear the Lord, oh, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. That should get us excited. If you're here today and you're dealing with a fear of scarcity in your life for whatever reason, this should get you excited. Because it makes it very clear when we fear the Lord, we have no lack in our lives. And you're like, Mel, that sounds like a get-rich-quick get scheme. If I fear God, then he's gonna give me money. And No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. That's not how this thing works. What happens is we press into God, we get to know his heart, we honor him, we, we fear him reverentially, and when we do, things begin to shift in our lives. In the areas that we used to be nervous about or afraid of, we know that we can trust God in, and all of a sudden, that fear of lack begins to dissipate, it begins to disappear, begins to go away, because we understand that we know God and can trust God, and we have no reason to fear our circumstances. It goes on to say, the young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So when it's talking about the young lion, what it's representative is strength and authority. So it's saying even the strongest and most authoritative people you know are gonna suffer at times. Even the strongest in our bunch is going to suffer at times, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. This is the key. Church attendance is really important. And I'm so glad that you're attending church. I'm so glad you're watching online. I'm so glad you're connecting for whatever, however you're doing, I'm so glad. But it's not enough. It's not enough to simply attend and just go through the motions. We have a responsibility to seek the Lord. And if you're here today and you're feeling, uh, dealing with a fear of lack in your life, this fear of scarcity in your life, you have to understand the key is to seek God, to press into him, to, to drill in even closer and tighter than you've ever been before. And as you do, you discover the heart of God and you begin to be shaped into that image of God. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The word no lack, and that phrase lack no good thing, they come back to this Hebrew word that I love, and I've talked a little bit about it before. Man, I love this, this Hebrew word. It's shalom. And shalom is typically uh, interpreted as the word peace in English. And so for us, in English, it's got a very specific meaning. In Hebrew, it's, it's broader than it is in, in English. In English, it means uh, lack of conflict, basically. And so for us, we think of nations, and they're at war, and when they stop being at war, they're at peace, right? So we go, oh, the shalom, it's peace. Um, we think of our children who fight incessantly, and they're back and forth, they're screaming at each other, and you go, can I just have some peace and quiet? What you're saying is, would you please stop fighting? You want a, a lack of conflict, right? You want the conflict to go away. And that's what we think of with peace. But in the Hebrew, and the Bible, um, peace is very different. The Hebrew word shalom 
In the most rudimentary sense, it means um, completeness or wholeness or, or more specifically, lacking nothing. And so when we look at this and we understand that seeking God leads us to lacking no good thing, we have to understand that when we seek God, the ultimate end is that we have shalom in our life. We have peace in our life. We have wholeness or fullness in our lives. That's really what the answer is. Do you want, do you want to escape your fear of scarcity in your life? And how about if you felt complete? You felt like nothing needed to be added to your life. Does that make sense? I struggle when I talk to people and, they, and they're single people that will say something like, you know what, I just, I'm looking for that person that'll complete me, Mel. And I get that to some degree, but it scares me because that puts un, um, unreasonable expectations on a future spouse because what human being can complete another human being? Thank God that my wife didn't have those expectations for me or she would have been so disappointed. I can't even pick my socks up, right? And you expect me to complete you? Like, I can't do that. No one can. Do you know who can? God. We seek God. We press into God. And you know what he does? He brings a sense of completion and wholeness to us that no other person can. And when he does that, that, that fear of lack disappears. Why? Because I'm complete. There's, there's nothing lacking. I'm everything that God needs me to be. So there's people that they wanna find completeness or wholeness in their job. Man, if I just get that promotion, if I just get that better job, if I just get the corner office, then my life is gonna be easier, my life is gonna be better. Can I tell you something? Money will not make your life complete. The new job will not make your life complete. The only one that can make your life complete is God. If you're dealing with a sense of uh, this fear of scarcity in your finances, more finances are probably not gonna just be the answer. There's something going on in your heart that God wants to deal with and uncover. He wants you to be able to trust him and know that you are complete in him. Philippians um, chapter four, the apostle Paul's talking to the church at Philippi and they had been supporting him financially and he was just talking through that with them in Philippians chapter four. This is what it says in verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. Listen to this, for I have learned in every situation I am, in whatever situation I am, to be content. So I have learned in every, or in whatever situation I am, to be content. Now, don't you wish you'd learned that? Because I don't know that. I, I, I struggle with that. To be content in whatever situation I'm in? Come on, that's a tall order, isn't it? And that sounds like church speak. That sounds like things pastors say, uh, but it sounds totally unattainable, doesn't it? To be content in every situation? Come on. He goes on to describe it. He says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And this is the secret. Are you ready? In verse 13, he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, sometimes we'll take that verse and we'll reallocate it and we'll, we'll hijack it and make it mean whatever we want. So I'll wake up one morning and go, man, I'd like to run a marathon today. I don't know why that's funny. You don't think I could run a marathon? <laughs> Okay, well the truth is I couldn't run a marathon, but if, what if I woke up and said, I'm gonna run a marathon today? Whatever it is, 23.6 miles, 23.2, is that what it is? 26.2, I don't even know. I'd stop early and I wouldn't even get the marathon done. So I'm gonna run a marathon today. And I said, you know what, I know I, I probably shouldn't because I ate two gallons of Meadows ice cream last night, I haven't worked out in um, seven years, so I probably shouldn't. 
But you know what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm gonna do it. That is not what that verse means. You're going to the hospital probably, right? If you look at this verse in context of what he's saying, he says, you know what? Um, man, I've, I've had lots and I've had very little. I've lived in uh, the, the penthouse and I've lived in the outhouse. I've had great circumstances and horrible circumstances, but I've been content in all of them. And the secret of contentedness in every situation is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what that verse means. What is the secret to escaping the fear of scarcity in our lives? The fear of feeling like we don't have enough? Well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If, if Christ is alive in me, he's gonna give me the strength to, to walk through scarcity and the fear of not having enough. He's gonna empower me to do that. And beyond that, he's gonna resource me. I don't have to resource myself. He's gonna resource me. Because it says, just a few more verses down in verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, a couple things I want us to look at. Number one, he says, um, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So what he's saying is, he's gonna resource our needs, not based on our need, but according to his resources. Now, that should get you excited. Because it would be one thing if I said, hey, you're having some money problems? Let me give you a loan. I got $27 I can give you. How's that sound? Will that get you taken care of? Will that get your problems taken care of? Like, probably not. But what if I said, hey, you know my uncle is Warren Buffett, and he's extended a line of credit to me, and I, I can open that up to you. Whatever you need, we can take care of it. That should be reassuring, right? Because all of a sudden, the need you have or the lack in your life is, is dwarfed by the amount of resources that our God can throw at it. So I'm not just talking about money. What about, what about um, peace? There's some of you that you lack peace in your life, and you're like, God, I just need more peace. But what if the God of all peace was able to throw whatever amount of peace he wanted at your peace problem? Does that make sense? So take whatever issue you have in your life and understand that the source of all of those resources is God, and he's got an abundance, and he is ready to meet your need. That should get us excited. We don't have to resource ourselves. We don't have to fix our own problems. Our God will take care of it. Now, the other part that you probably won't be as excited about is the first part when he says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. Now, we will quote this as ourselves. My God's gonna supply every one of my needs according to his riches and glory, and we get excited about that. But what Paul was doing here is he's connecting God's resources or the flow of God's resources. Again, we're not just talking about money. We're talking about everything in you in your life. He's connecting the flow of those resources to you in the context of faithfulness and generosity. Now, I knew you wouldn't get excited about that part. But what Paul's saying is, because you have exercised um, faithfulness and generosity in your life, God recognizes that, and he's releasing the flow of resources so every area that you feel like you lack in, guess what? God is releasing the resource to you, but it's only in proportion to your faithfulness and generosity. You know, well, that doesn't sound fair. Well, maybe not. But every promise that God has ever promised us is contingent on our obedience. I could tell our girls, I could say, girls, hey, if you clean your room, we're going to get ice cream. And now you're realizing Mel's got an ice cream problem, right? Um, girls, if you clean your room, we're going to get ice cream. I go, okay, great. The end of the night, the girl's like, hey, you never took us to get ice cream. You lied. 
No, you never cleaned your room. Because you didn't clean your room, I didn't have to get you ice cream, right? The promise was contingent on your obedience. If you're not obedient, I don't have to come through. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not gonna reinforce bad behavior. And this is how our Heavenly Father works. So some of us are saying, God, I'm dealing with this, this fear of lack. I don't have enough. I've got scarcity in my life. God, I need your help. And God says, be obedient. Do what I'm asking you to do. And I'll take care of all of your needs. W. Clement Stone said this. He said, thinking will not overcome fear, but action will. This is what it says in James chapter two. Verse 14, it says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. <laughs> Paul's addressing the church and he's saying, hey, don't be phony, be authentic. Let, let your faith be authentic. Authentic. Don't just say you have faith. Don't just say you believe and then not back it up. If you say you believe and you have faith, let your actions display that. Now, it's not saying we're saved by our actions. In fact, what, it, what it's trying to intend is that we're saved by faith through grace in Jesus Christ. So we're saved by faith, but that faith, the fruit of that faith in our life should be actions. We've all met Christians and people who said they went to church and you're like, you don't act like it, right? What you're really saying is there's no fruit of faith, no fruit of actions in your life. You say you've got faith, but there's no fruit of actions. Does that make sense? What you're doing doesn't line up with what you're saying. And what Paul is saying is, let what you do line up with what you say. If, if you're a person of faith, don't just say it, but be it, but do it. Take action, do something about it. And this is, this is what we have to understand. When there's a fear of lack in our life or a fear of scarcity, the only way we combat that is with faith. Faith is the antidote to fear, and faith should lead us to action. We should be doing something with the faith we've got. If we're not, it's not true faith. It's not real faith, it's dead. It says in verse 26, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Your fam favorite family pet the pet dies, it's tragic, but you wanna hang on so you get the pet stuffed, right? We're gonna keep Lulu in this family forever, no matter what. And she's standing right there with that blank look in her eyes, staring off <laughs> forever and ever and ever. And we can say we got Lulu here, but it's not, right? And some of us live our lives that way. We go, hey, I want faith, but the truth is, we got that taxidermy stare. We're just stuffed. We're just going through the motions. We look the part, but there's no life. There's no action. There's no vibrancy. And that's what God wants from us. But it's not just what he wants from us. It's what he wants for us. When we live out our faith, we come alive in that. Let me give you a few action steps. Here's a few things you can do. And when I say you, I mean me too. First thing you can do is give your time or your talent to someone who can't pay you back for it. Maybe that's the person next door who is not very nice to you, but they're a little older than you, so you could shovel their driveway when the snow comes. You could rake their leaves for them when the fall happens. 
You, maybe you'll mow the yard for them. Take care of their, do something for them. Maybe it, you're gonna bake them some brownies. You're not gonna do anything bad to it either. You're gonna bake them some brownies and just love on them. Why, because of what you're gonna get out of it? No, because you're gonna be selfless. You're gonna begin to train yourself to be generous with your time and with your talent. Maybe you give money. Uh, that was a hard one. Maybe you're here and you've never given a dollar away to someone else, somebody in need, to a charity, to the church, whatever it is. I want you to begin to live generously. That's the heart of God for you, is to live generously. And part of training ourselves to live generously is to learn how to give generously, whether that's our finances or our time or our talent, whatever that might be. So give something away, give some money away. We try to make it as easy as possible for you. Text your giving in if you want to. We try to make it really simple. And it's not about what we get out of it, it's about what it, you get out of it. When we learn how to live generously, we come alive in that. Maybe it's something tangible you give away. For a while, I was giving away, um, <laughs> I gave away some jerseys that I had to guys that I knew were fans. Um, I would just give away stuff to people that I knew they were fans of and liked, and I would just bless them, and it blessed me to do that and to exercise that, that gift of generosity in my life to be able to help others in those ways. So maybe you've got something tangible you can just give away. Bless somebody else with it. I'm not a journaler, but maybe one of the things you can do is learn to journal and keep track of the good things that God does in your life. Because when we remind ourselves of all God's provision for us, it combats that spirit of lack that we deal with sometimes. Um, Tracy Galley is, is one of our staff members. She uh, serves as my assistant. She also functions as the financial administrator for the church. Uh, her office is right next to mine. And pretty frequently I meet with other pastors and inevitably I will come back from those meetings and I'll walk into my office or walk into Tracy's office and I'll say, oh, I love our church. Oh, I'm so grateful for what God's doing at our church. Or I'll say this, oh, our board members are awesome. You know, man, sometimes somebody will get me a little frustrated, we'll get, you know, a little off or one of our staff members. But then I'm around another pastor who deals with real problems and I go, oh my gosh, we've got a great board. We've got a great staff. Our church is incredible, right? And it puts it in perspective. It reminds me of all of God's provision for me, how he's taking care of me. How, how could I lack anything? God's taking care. Does that make sense? So when we remind ourselves of God's provision, it helps us combat that spirit of lack in our lives. And then the last thing is this. Uh, learn to focus on giving without it, asking what you get out of it. Because so many times we give based on what we're gonna get out of it. Yeah, I'll, I'll volunteer, but will my name be in the brochure? Yeah, we'll give, but will, will our company be at the top of the list, or will we get recognized in the, we'll be, we'll be a platinum giver, yeah, yeah, platinum, yeah, I wanna do that then. So a lot of times that's how we do that, based on what we get out of it, and that is contrary to the heart of God for us. That is contrary to generosity. Generosity says, I'm gonna give and I'm not expecting anything in return. And when we begin to give that way with our time, with our talent, with our finances, God does something crazy in us. We come alive in that. And uh, you, we've been really busy as a church, lots of stuff going on, um, breaking ground on our new building uh, in the middle of May. Um, we're looking at a new location in the fall of 2017. The church is growing like crazy. We're adding staff, doing all kinds of stuff. And, and I've had opportunities to begin coaching some other pastors, guys that maybe are struggling in their church, 
they're having a hard time and I can just come alongside them, encourage them. And I was really, really resistant because I felt like I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy and resources personally. I'm spending so much on the church, I, I can't give any anywhere else. And I just felt convicted because I felt like I, I'm asking you guys to do something I wasn't willing to do. And so I just began um, spending some time with some other pastors, pastors of smaller churches that we can help develop and coach and hopefully help them grow their church. Because at the end of the day, it's not just about growing the summit, it's about growing, growing God's kingdom. And as I began to do that, I did it kind of with my teeth clenched a little bit, like, oh, I'll do it, but I'm not crazy about it. And as I started doing it, I realized I was coming alive in that. I wasn't getting any credit for it. No, nobody was saying, man, Mel Massengill, it wasn't about that. But I'm helping other people win. And when I do that, I come alive. That ultimately is what God's calling us to do is help others win, help others succeed, help, help them do what God's calling them to do. And when we give generously from ourselves, whatever way that is, we come alive in that and ultimately the kingdom of God is built. So God wants us to take action. He wants you to combat fear in your life by taking action. Whatever that might be, you know what it is right now. So let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And I wanna challenge you, when we finish this service today, don't leave here and think, oh, that was a nice message. Oh, that was good singing. Leave here today and say, what action do I need to take? Let's pray together. God, I love you. I'm so glad, I'm so grateful that you're a God of action, that you didn't see us in our need and just stand back and hope things turned out well, but you sent your son for us. You took action to remedy the situation. So God, I pray that we would do likewise. And God, I pray right now for the people in this place that are dealing with this fear of scarcity in their lives. They feel like they don't have enough they feel like they're not enough. They feel like their resources will expire before their need does. So God, I pray right now for the people that are here struggling with that. I pray for peace just to intervene and intercede in this place. I pray for us to be set free from that. And God, I pray that, Lord, you would help us be people of action. So God, I pray that you'd minister in this place. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just wanna ask if you're here today and you say, Mel, I'm not really following Jesus. I don't have a relationship with God, but I want to. Maybe you're here and you've just been afraid of what that would mean and what that would look like. Maybe you're here and, and you felt like you weren't good enough to know Jesus, to make him Lord of your life. You felt like you weren't enough. You had, you had to clean yourself up, whatever it might be. Truth is, God loves you exactly the way you are. And he will do the work of cleaning you up. You don't have to do a thing. So if you're here today, you say, Mel, I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in just a moment, but I'm not gonna make you come forward. I don't wanna embarrass you. I just wanna pray with you where you're at. So if you're here today and you say, I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life, I wanna be right with God, I wanna do that today, would you just slip your hand up real high where I can see it so I can acknowledge you and pray with you? Thank you, ma'am. Who else? Thank you, over here on my right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Two more hands on my right. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, ma'am. Over here as well. Praise God. Up at the balcony. A couple of hands up at the balcony. Thank you. You can put your hands down, thank you. Who else? You'll say, that's me, pray for me, Mel. I need to get some things right with the Lord. Okay. I wanna pray with you right now, every person in this place with your head bowed and your eyes closed, and I want you to repeat a really simple prayer after me. So whether you raised your hand or not, I would like you to pray this prayer out loud. So pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, Thank you for saving me. Thank you for paying the price for my sin on the cross. 
I am yours today. Take my life and use it for your glory. I'm never going back to my old ways and my old fears and my old life. Today, I am yours. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, come on. Let's give God a round of applause this morning. <laughs> now listen, your next step is really simple. If you raised your hand and you said that prayer, there's a card like this one in the seat back in front of you. Please take just a moment and fill this card out. What this does is it helps us connect with you and helps us get you on the right path so you can grow in your faith. We don't want you to try to do this alone. It's, it's hard living a godly lifestyle especially alone, let alone when you got a network. So we wanna come alongside you and help you grow in your faith and become a disciple. So fill this out, that'll get you on the path. We'll begin helping you with that, get to know you, help resource you. Uh, and a couple other things you can do is you can sign up for water baptisms. You can do that out in the lobby at our information center or on our website. We'd love for you to sign up for water baptisms. They're coming up here in just a few weeks. Um, sign up for that. We're gonna have 100 people baptized that day. We're gonna celebrate with 100 of our friends and family members that are uh, celebrating what God is doing in their lives. So sign up for water baptisms. Also, Pastor Dick Motzing is our associate pastor. He leads a group called Starting Point every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. That is for people that are new to their faith or trying to grow in their faith. So please take advantage of that. You can sign up at the Info Center or on our website as well. That's Wednesday night, 7 p.m. here at the Summit. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Stand to your feet all over the room. We're gonna worship together one more time, and as we do, our prayer team's on either side of the stage. We wanna pray with you about whatever your prayer needs are today, whatever's going on in your life. You're not in this thing alone, so we wanna pray with you about it. Uh, but these guys are gonna lead us one more song, and then Steph is gonna come and close us. Guys, I have to tell you this every week. I love you more than you know, and I'm so honored. I'm so honored I get to be your pastor. I love you guys very, very much. God bless you.
is well with my soul. God, you are so good. And sometimes we let life get in the way of proclaiming your goodness. Like the author of the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, he lost his son, he lost financially, and years later again, he lost his four daughters. And yet, in the midst of all that sorrow, he penned this beautiful hymn to proclaim your goodness, that it is still well with my soul. Let us carry that through when we are faced with our fears and our, our lack of a job, our lack of financial stability. Lord, if we are if sing this chorus again and just really proclaim his praise of his goodness. show the worship team that we appreciate them real quick. Thank you guys. <laughs> My name is Steph McCoy and um, I just want to share a few things with you real quick. I'm so glad that you decided to worship with us today. Uh, as you know and as you've heard, we have an egg hunt coming up two egg hunts coming up this Saturday and it's gonna be a really, really exciting time. We've got inflatable obstacle courses and carnival games and then the egg hunt itself. It's gonna be a great time. So invite your friends and families and, and come out to that. Um, if you want to serve, you can get with me in the lobby. There's um, 
a table out there with all the egg hunt stuff around it. So come talk with me, we'll get you plugged in. And good news, it's gonna be higher than 23 degrees, right? Can we clap? <laughs> it's supposed to be high 40s, so that should be a big improvement from last year. But um, we love stories here at the summit and I wanna share a, a story with you um, about a woman in the church who is using her talents for God's glory. So take a seat and watch this real quick. My name is Sherry Briscoe, and my family and I have been coming to the summit for a little over a year now. When I was in my early 20s, I would say, the church I was attending, I was really active in, and the pastor there had just started asking me to do some different projects, props for the stage and different visuals. And through doing that, I guess is when I realized that I had a talent and it just helped me to realize all the things that I could do with it. Since then, I have um, done sets for um, the school musicals and prom scenes. Um, I've done kind of a cake business on the side that I've just created um, artistic cakes and just using it personally to help my kids with projects and, and things like that. I don't really limit myself because I just, um, see the possibilities of using a talent that the Lord has given me um, and we can't really limit him and when I look at a completed project um, it's just exciting to see that the Lord enabled me to do it um, because without him I, I really wouldn't have been able to I believe that we were each given a talent for a purpose and God wants to use it. Recently, I was asked to head the stage design team and since I enjoy it so much, I'm hoping to build a team of people that get the same satisfaction out of doing um, the same work or what, wherever their talents lie, just using their talents, because I enjoy using mine so much um, that they'll get the same satisfaction out of being part of that. I hope when people see the, the things that I create and the things that I do, that um, they realize that there's something in them that they could be using their talent for um, that has endless possibilities uh, because God gives us all a talent um, so once we realize what it is and we use it for him, we can do anything with it. Awesome. So um, when you look at that video and you look at Sherry, you can, it's easy to think, well, she's artistic and I have nothing going for me. But we don't want you to think that way. God's give, given each of us a gift, each of us a talent that we can use for his glory. We can live generously with our time and our talents and our finances. So if you wanna give to the summit today, you can take the offering envelope in the seat back in front of you, um, take a cash or check and drop it in the boxes as you go. You can give online at summittogether.com or you can also give by texting summit PA to seven. So I'll pray for our um, giving today and we'll be dismissed if the walls don't fall down. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for what you've done in this place today. I thank you that you have um, just redeemed lives and done a good work in all of us. God, I pray that, that we would take action and that we would not be um, stagnant in this, but we would take this message and apply it to our lives. God, I, I thank you that um, you allow us to be a part of what you're doing and I pray that you would teach us to be generous and teach us to give back to you 
Um, God, we pray for the outreach this weekend that it would not be about us because it's not at all, God, but it's about giving you glory and loving our community. And we pray that, that many people will come to know Jesus because of this egg hunt, because we want to serve you. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Have a great day.